Welcome to Hopecast, the podcast which aims to make suicide a part of the everyday conversation. My name is Lauren and I'm the host of Hopecast. And I'm Kelly, I'm Head of Helpline Services at Papyrus. This month's episode is focusing on neurodiversity, in particular the link between ADHD and suicide. Oh, it's been really great to see the awareness and education around neurodiversity but in particular ADHD increasing over recent years but I think what we know is that the links with neurodiversity and suicide are still not addressed enough. It's not and I think especially when you're neurodiverse yourself and you know these things and you're always you're having to explain yourself constantly and especially when you add the mental health element and the suicide risk that comes with with neurodiversity it's it's not addressed enough Kelly and it's it's so important that these things are highlighted. If you have ADHD or you're neurodiverse you're five times more likely to have thoughts of suicide and that's you know it's, it's an outstanding figure but it's not talked about enough. Absolutely agree. Um, and I can completely understand um, why, you know, thinking about suicide or taking steps to end your life when you are neurodiverse, I, 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 I kind of get it. One of the biggest contributors to suicide is um, loneliness and isolation. So if you are kind of managing these symptoms if you will I don't really like that word but if, if you're kind of managing all of this on your own feeling like you're not really fitting in that you know you're not really made for this world I suppose because mm-hmm. you see things very differently I can completely understand why suicide becomes an option particularly for those that have that black and white thinking and yeah I, I think it, it's just acknowledging that really and and for us to be here and, and raising that awareness today is is something really quite special, I think. So let's do it. It is, and and that, that's exactly right. And um, people don't don't see that side of it. I think when we think of neurodiversity, we we think of it. Oh, it only affects you in education. It stops us when you leave school or university or anything like that. You think, oh, you'll you'll be able to cope in in the in the, the real world. But actually, this is it's it's something that follows you in life. Being neurodiverse affects you in every element of your life, and it's it's the emotional dysregulation that comes with not only just ADHD but lots of different neurodiverse conditions. And people don't see that and how that can impact you. Yeah, completely. And and I think in particular for females, I, I know that when we talk about gender, gender's on a spectrum. So a, a lot of what we'll be talking about today is, is very stereotypical, I suppose, but it is important because I think quite often, you know, girls, young women often go under the radar with neurodiversity, but in particular ADHD, you know, it's not um, a, a very feminine diagnosis to receive I suppose I don't know if I've explained that quite right you always associate it with loud disruptive boys don't you and you think oh well our our awareness of ADHD you can you think oh you can spot it in people oh, they can't sit still they're hyperactive and um, they're always bouncing up and down off the walls but actually it's 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 completely hidden it can be someone who's very anxious you could it could be someone who can be very quiet as well because they're suppressing how they're feeling and women especially mask those symptoms so it's even harder to get that diagnosis yeah completely i think with girls and women a lot of the symptoms of adhd are more of those internal ones like you said that kind of emotional dysregulation that restlessness and that can quite a lot of the time be misdiagnosed as things like anxiety 
um, women are more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety than than guys. So you you know you can you can see that happening quite a lot. And like you said, it's that oh you know it it a phase you'll grow out of it. It's just because things are really difficult right now. I think the other one as well, hormones. You know you're going through changes in your life. And that's also very real. That's when those symptoms of ADHD can become even more unmanageable. And and those kinds of phases and them hormonal changes for women are not just happening around puberty. They're happening throughout our lives. So, yeah, you can see how those symptoms of ADHD can be masked by women, but there are times where they are heightened as well. Absolutely, Kelly. And the aim of this episode is to share with listeners how the, how those living with ADHD are at higher risk of experiencing sports of suicide. And that's why this month's special guest on Hopecast is TV personality and entrepreneur Tanya Bardsley. It was an absolute privilege to interview Tanya about her own experiences struggling with her mental health. And also going back to what we just said about being misdiagnosed her entire life with depression, anxiety, being medicated for these conditions were actually at the age of 40 she had a diagnosis of ADHD which she says has helped make complete sense of herself and it it almost like the penny dropped and it it explains everything in her life. Yeah really looking forward to um, learning more from Tanya and, and her own experiences. I know everyone is unique and individual but I am 100% sure that Tanya's story will resonate with so many people and, and hopefully in a good way you know. We're, we're here to, to raise that awareness that people are not on their own like I said before, isolation is one of the biggest killers in the UK um, so yeah it, it's great that she's agreed to share a story really and, and raising that awareness yeah I am and she was she's honestly absolutely amazing it takes real courage to share any lived experience especially lived experience of suicide and unfortunately Tanya did have thoughts of suicide and she attempted to take her own life when she was younger that actually connects that all with ADHD and with the right support and now she embraces ADHD and ADHD is her superpower and especially being a role model for young girls and women with ADHD and that's why she's just absolutely fabulous But before we share Tanya's interview, it's time for the myth and fact segment of Hopecast. There are lots of myths that surround suicide and the aim of this section is to dispel some of these myths. In this segment of Hopecast, we try to eliminate these common misconceptions. Today's myth is one that might shock quite a lot of people, but the reason why um, we we do want to shatter that myth is to kind of raise that awareness really and what we'll be discussing today is it might be difficult for for listeners to learn but every year over 200 teenagers are lost to suicide in the UK and sadly Kelly it's a fact so many teenagers are lost every year to suicide and it's something that not a lot of people are aware of and that's where that taboo comes from because you're not talking about it and people aren't made aware of it it really hits you when you hear that statistic yeah, it's it's really difficult. I've I've worked for Papyrus now for nearly eight years, and this is this is still something that rocks me to my core. It it's the reason why I get out of bed every day and, and do what I do. And I think what we've what I've learned in particular over that time of of being within this suicide prevention sector is it's our own fears as adults that get in the way of us talking openly and safely about suicide with the teenagers in our lives whether we're parents or professionals or friends 
because we know that teenagers are talking amongst each other about suicide. It's kind of us that are really scared of of tipping our of dipping our toe into that water essentially. So I think it's super important that we continue to first of all provide that support directly um, for teenagers who may be experiencing thoughts of suicide, but predominantly for those people that are, are those prime sources of support in the lives of, of young people. And we kind of aim to do that by delivering training and awareness sessions across communities in the UK to foster those suicide safer communities, providing people with the skills and knowledge to, to recognise and respond appropriately to, to suicidal thinking or suicidal behaviour. And one of the key messages that, key messages and, and what we equip people to do is, is with the confidence to ask direct questions, are you thinking about suicide? It yeah. kind of highlights you as a, a safe person that's not going to shy away from such a subject that's surrounded with stigma and taboo and and just fosters that safe environment for, for teenagers to open up to you. It does and just by saying it directly and in a calm manner in a safe space it takes that to be away from it because it's not beating around the bush you're just saying are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you thinking about taking your own life? It opens that safe space and gets teenagers talking about it because, you know, teenagers are going to be really isolated. It could be really... And, and that's the sad thing about suicide. They could be presenting as really social, really bubbly, but you just don't know what's going on behind the surface. And that's sometimes the most shocking thing about suicide because you just wouldn't, you wouldn't associate. It's what our idea of suicide is. And you just wouldn't associate it with some people. What they, why would they want to take their own life? Why would that their life seemed perfect? They seemed like they had so much to live for. They had the world at their feet. And that's, that's the, the sad thing about it. But it's all about training and equipping, not only just parents, but teachers as well, because you don't know what's going on at home. Some pet, some young people might not unfortunately have that space at home but they might have partners they might have teachers they might have guardians you just don't know who's on someone's life that's why it's really important to raise that overall training and awareness to make these safe conversations happen absolutely you know we we chat with young people every day on hopeline uk and and there are certain things that young people find it really difficult to open up about things like you know menstruation which is something that females everywhere go through so for them to find the words to talk about suicide that's kind of massive isn't it so if we take that pressure off young people to find those words and for us to be asking directly you know are you thinking about suicide i'm i'm here you know it's just having those open empathic conversations with someone can be really really powerful and, and in essence life-saving it, it can and that's that's the key word there it's it's life-saving conversation and in particular kelly for children and young people who are neurodiverse the risk of suicide ideation or suicidal behaviors can be much higher can't it and that's why it's even more important that we're spotting the signs in neurodiverse people and in particular again neurodiverse girls because of masking and hiding those symptoms presenting is high functioning you wouldn't associate with them but it's looking beneath the surface isn't it of course it is. And it's like we were saying before, um, if, you know, you are a young person and you're trying to manage all of these thoughts and feelings and that inner restlessness by masking, it's absolutely exhausting doing that by yourself. So you can understand why suicide does become an option 
for, for those young people and hopefully after our conversations today, they'll see that it's not the only option. Absolutely. And there's help out there as well. And positively of all this great awareness around an ADHD and neurodiversity, it shows you're not the only one, even though at times it can feel incredibly isolating and I feel like I'm not normal the way my brain thinks away. You're constantly doubting yourself. Yeah. But actually, it, it's more common than you think, especially amongst girls. It sure is. And I think it sure is. And I, and I think particularly with young women, um, it's important to kind of find your community, you know, linking in with with other people that, that feel similar to the way that you feel or have those kinds of similar struggles. It highlights that you, you're not on your own. And that's so important. That that again in, in itself is life saving as well. Totally, and it's that peer to peer support, isn't it? And seeing you know, seeing people, hearing, sharing your stories. Even if you've had a rubbish day, it's actually do you know what you're not the only one. I've had a rubbish day as well, or I've had these struggles and I've overcome it. Here's how you can overcome it. And even in those communities, having that that suicide safety and having that suicide safety conversation, if they can spot those signs, someone being vulnerable, they, that can be life changing as well. Of course it can. Those conversations, those connections are super important life protectors for people, 100%. And that's why Tanya spoke to me about how her ADHD affects her emotionally, which is something you wouldn't even think about unless you were neurodiverse. So Tanya, welcome to Hopecast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's brilliant to speak to you and especially with your journey with ADHD and what having your diagnosis meant to you. There's, there's a real stigma with girls, especially with ADHD, but your diagnosis and your journey with ADHD has meant a lot to you, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it has. Um, I mean, when I found out I had ADHD, well, at first I just thought they they got the diagnosis wrong because I'd never heard of girls having ADHD, really. In fact, I don't think I'd heard of anyone, any girl having ADHD. And I just thought it was just a naughty boy thing. I didn't even think men in adults had it. I thought it was just a what naughty young boys had. And so getting the diagnosis was life changing for me. And it was like the missing puzzle as to why my life had been so hard and erratic and emotional and, yeah, hard work. And so many girls and women, especially later in life, slip through the system. A lot of women mask the signs, they mask those stereotypical ADHD behaviours, but it suppresses who you are and it can break down that anxiety and all those emotion. It's constantly hiding yourself and that can have a real impact to your mental health, can't it? Yeah, it can. And I always had this inner restlessness, which is one of the main symptoms of girls having ADHD so and the doctors just kept giving me antidepressants um, because when I'm telling the GP what's wrong with me I feel like I feel like something bad's gonna happen I feel like inner restlessness and I mean it does sound like anxiety it does sound like depression and um and the G a lot of the GPs especially back then were not um trained um in mental health and and they don't have the time they don't have the resources and it just wasn't a really well-known thing it's only just becoming more now I'm so ADHD, I forgot where I started. <laughs> I might keep doing this. That's, <laughs> Even though I'm diagnosed, I'm not medicated or anything. So I'm like, oh, what, 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 what am I talking about? It's so misunderstood, isn't it, ADHD? And that's a prime example. There's so many misconceptions around neurodiversity. And some people are quite ignorant yeah. to label it and just think, oh, it's just being dramatic. Yeah. Or it's just and being... a lot of people, a lot of 
a lot of people with ADHD are high achievers because we're people pleasers and, and we get hyper-focused and we'll just focus on something. So we, we can end up high achievers. So then they get over a lot. So there's nothing wrong with you because you've done this, you've done that, you've done that. And they don't know the inner turmoil and, uh, and when we hyper-focus on the bad things and we can take ourselves to trying to um, complete suicide, which I did three times. Um and it can take us to a really, really dark place, especially if we're undiagnosed. Um, and it's approximately, I mean, the figures may have changed now, one in four um, women try to take their own lives. And that's a high number, a really, really high number, worryingly high. And for men, it's one in 10. It's, it's, my brain's it's... gone again. Oh. <laughs> I'm really ADHD. Do you know what, when I'm more, homo- when I'm more homo- hormonal, like, most women or all women um my ADHD gets worse so my train of thought just keeps stopping keep prompting me <laughs> honestly no don't worry about it that, that's the prime example of it though it's with women it's people don't think about that side of ADHD as well it's the emotional dysregulation especially when it comes to that time of the month and being a woman all mm. those hormones it, it, it's massive and there's, there's such a lack of understanding and education around it and sadly one in four women I mean that's a it's a shocking number that that that's not talked about enough but so many women have thoughts of suicide it's those intrusive thoughts and that emotional dysregulation it can be detrimental to women with ADHD and I've tried the medication I've tried three different lots and the first lot I was just a shell of myself it was like I was there, but like there was no one home. The second lot, I um, I was erratic. I was chewing my own fingers until they bled. And the third lot of medication, I nearly had a seizure. Now I don't know. I think personally, it's like this is not proven or scientific or anything like that. I think that the medication has it was all, it was always a male thing. ADHD. I think it's been geared towards men, and it's not factors it factors factored in. Um, all are very um complicated ladies um hormones so i they just wasn't for me so i am barebacking adhd right now <laughs> um it's with fish oils and i just had to give up drinking um i have to do all the things that all of us know that we have to do but we don't do but i have to otherwise my life can turn to shit i can go down a dark dark road and that's exactly it, Tanya, because you you look at you on the surface and you think you've got everything. I mean, you're beautiful. You've got a beautiful family, an amazing career. You've achieved so much, but people don't realise what goes on behind closed doors and what you're fighting. And like so many other women with ADHD and neurodiversity, what you're hiding behind and especially that toll on your mental health and with, with lived experience of suicide. Yeah, yeah. And it's a con- it's a daily battle and I have to I have to work on my mental health every day to keep it stable because um if I if I just let myself do what I want, I'll just have a few shots or just like, oh no, 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 no. It's like I could just set my whole world on fire and want to set myself on fire. It's just it is scary. It's really scary. And it it takes real courage to be so open about your own lived experience of suicide to help not only young girls but so many people who have experienced the same things that you have. It does take real courage, Tanya, to be so willing to help people. With I don't know if it's courage or it's just my ADHD because I just say what I think. <laughs> I just say. <laughs> There'd be a lot of people that said, "Oh, you're so brave." I was like, "I'm very ADHD. It just comes out." <laughs> But he's got. He always says, "Oh God, why have you told everyone your life story?" It's like, oh, I just I don't know. <laughs> but it makes it makes you you and it makes you tanya doesn't it having adhd that makes you you and that's that's yeah. a beautiful, that's a beautiful side of adhd and positively from yeah. 
from your documentary, it's gone on to help so many women and break that taboo oh, around yeah. THD and, and also women with suicide as well. It's, it's getting people talking about the, how they're feeling and to prevent young suicide. Yeah, I, and do you know what? I got hundreds of thousands of messages um, when the documentary came out and I was just sat crying. My mum's going, you should be happy, it's successful. And I was like, you these ladies are just so, this is like, they're really struggling. So I am fighting now uh, to try and get the um, the waiting times down. So um, I'm going to. It's been spoken about in house uh, in the House of Commons, and from that, the the minister. I'm having a meeting with the minister end of April. So I am still fighting it, just because um, it can take two to five, two to seven years actually, depending on your area, to get to even get diagnosed. And I, I just think getting diagnosed is the main bit for me, because that's when you. I mean, the internet, you can find out anything on the internet. So I just think that being diagnosed, um, but you can find out all the holistic ways to treat ADHD and just find your own community. Um, I find the communities and even the TikTok videos help me a lot. Like, oh my God, that's why I do that. Do you know what? And it sounds crazy, but they really do help me. And it makes me think, oh, I'm not on my own. Like, I finally fit in somewhere. And it does. And it's, it's having that peer support isn't it so seeing people talking about ADHD and the work you're doing is just fantastic again in parliament getting those diagnosed because being diagnosed and having that understanding about yourself and that self-expectance can mean everything to someone waiting a diagnosis but unfortunately there is such a long waiting period still going on it can take two to seven years to get diagnosed with ADHD especially and at least uh, two to two to seven years when you when you're feeling like suicidal it's 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 unreal. It is. And so what would you suggest, Tanya? Because obviously that's that waiting period. I know people really have to push to get that diagnosis. But what would you say to a young girl or a young woman or anyone having these thoughts or waiting for that diagnosis? What would you recommend for that pre-diagnosis anxiety to, to in that meantime for that waiting period? I mean, go, go and see your doctor, go and see your GP, um, bring the charities available, um, just make sure you talk. But if, if and once you stopped feeling suicidal, you, you can't, there is some tests that you can do online. I mean, they're not certified, you've not been diagnosed just by a thing, but just take it as you are until you get in and you just got to do all the holistic things uh, you need to get your sleep you need to meditate you need to journal you need to give yourself a break um because your head is 100 miles an hour and, and if you're feeling overwhelmed just say so and just take a break like noise is a big thing for me um like because my head is so noisy and then if it's noisy around me like I can't cope and it's I just feel like I'm freaking out uh so little things and then which what, just little things like watch the TikTok videos and don't feel alone and getting uh get in with the communities and like one of the biggest things for me and it's just such a small thing is I get these little foam earplugs and I just put them in and it just really helps me and you can hear your own breath and it's so calming because you're blocking out the outside noise and you're just focusing on your own breath and it's so powerful for me and such a little thing you know I was smiling when you were saying that because I put my earpods in and in my earpods just they're a godsend it just blocks out that internal noise and that that chaos yeah. that's going on it just it massively helps so all little tips like that and yeah. that all comes with self-awareness and I think the beauty of ADHD and neurodiversity is no one person is the same so what might work for someone else might work for you it might not work yeah it's all about exploring those different avenues isn't it yeah like my son he's got ADHD and we look completely different like he's like I always say he's like Tigger the wonderful thing about Tigger is Tigger is like I'm like I just don't know it's so Tigger um 
Whereas I'm more like Dolly daydreaming and like, but inside I'm like churning. Um, so to look at us were completely different. And so, yeah, no one's, no two people are the same. It and comes then, into the same bracket, but it's not the same. No, and that that's that's the thing. You've got to, everyone should be respected as being completely different and unique. And there's so many misconceptions, especially in schools and workplaces with ADHD. What can we do to challenge those misconceptions and stop people believing those stereotypes about ADHD and suicide? It's just more awareness and more education. Um, and that's what we're fighting for as well, because rather than the waiting times, I just, I would prefer um, when there's joined school for everyone to have a blanket test. Um, so no one goes missed, no one gets missed. Um, and also the teachers and everyone need to be more educated in it. And doing those tests also, obviously the, the children will know what they're being tested for and we'll have to have more education about it. But also, I think the biggest thing for me is for people not to, they do get diagnosed with ADHD, not to think that it's a bad thing because once you can, once you realise you've got it and now, I do have to work it every day, but it's not like I'm digging mines for it. I'm, I'm just meditating and getting enough sleep and stuff. It is my superpower and I don't think I would give it up because it's got a lot of perks to it. The hyper-focus, the being interested in lots of different subjects. I've got lots, lots of different businesses. I can get so excited about stuff. Um, I do have a lot of energy until I don't, <laughs> until I'm white about but it can be a superpower and and a lot of the most success uh, successful people in the world have ADHD and a lot of the most charismatic superstars have ADHD so it's not the end it's not the end it's it's the beginning if anything it's the start of this amazing journey and knowing yourself and would is that something you'd yeah. say to the younger self Tanya so young Tanya who was really struggling emotionally having thoughts of suicide wanting yeah is that what you say to her yeah that is exactly what I'd say to her and um and and that's why I just felt like I was the only one in the world that felt like this and then getting that diagnosis and then seeing all the communities and like just even just like you know I keep saying it, but watching all the videos about it I was like these are my people I'm not on my <laughs> own like it's like a big light it's like yay I don't know. It's like some sort of care bear walking along in a, in like a human world. Like like no one's like me. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, there's other care bears. I don't know why you <laughs> use care bears. It could be Fraggle Rock or anyone. Because <laughs> they're lovely and warm, and that's that God, I'm old. Fraggle Rock. <laughs> you don't know what Fraggle Rock is. <laughs> So finally, Tanya, we should learn to accept and embrace all our different diversities and the ways our brain works with ADHD and how we manage those. If you're having thoughts of suicide and you're neurodiverse and starting that conversation, how how can we do that? How can we make it a safe space for neurodiverse people to reach out for help? The the number one thing for neurodiverse people is they can't they can't think the way they can't think the way out of the problem because I know I did. Um, and because my brain's always going off and I always think I can sort everything out in my brain. It's just like colourful, and um, but you can't. There's so much going on in there, so you need to speak and you need to write it down and you need someone to help you with it. Um, so, yeah, uh, and it, it's, it's, I know everyone says it, but just make sure you talk to someone. So the first question is, I think my teenage daughter has ADHD. How can I start this safe conversation with her? It dep- I, I need to know more. I need to know more because if she's feeling a, a little bit down and a little bit anxious and um, she's uh, unorganised and forgetting things, if it's bothering her, if she's got some symptoms that are bothering her, then maybe just say, I maybe sit her down and watch my documentary with her. 
I think do that <laughs> because oh, yes. loads of parents have said oh my god we sat down together and now we're going to see the doctor together and I think it's when you do that that's it's that star power I think seeing someone like you being so open about your journey and your lovely relationship with your mum and your family it's it shows this is this is what oh this is like my dynamic it's, it's that recognizing that that's going on isn't it yeah and it's identifying with symptoms like oh my god I do that oh my god I feel like that oh my god we've had another question in so I know you're not on medication for ADHD Tanya but this person's unsure whether medication can can help them I think it, do you think it just depends on a case-by-case -case basis of ADHD medication I I think it totally depends on age I think it depends on hormones I think it depends on um if you're male female like my son is on 20 milligrams of Elvancy and he is flying like he wasn't focusing he was going to be let go from his um football club um and now he's on that and he's flying but he's male he hasn't got any hormones women hormones he has no stress in his life um apart from wiping his ass we do everything else for him um because um stress um so some of them it does raise your heart and then if you get stressed and stuff like well, it did for me anyway um yeah and he's flying and he doesn't drink alcohol and he doesn't do anything else whereas I was still drinking then um so yeah it's a lot of different factors yeah that's a really that's a really good point actually because I didn't I didn't think of it in that sense but you've got to think age what's your what's your lifestyle like all those contributing factors you've got to treat it case by case really yeah the best, the best thing the best thing you can do is your lifestyle and it's fucking hard and I thought there's no way I can give up booze because I, I thought well why me why can I have to give up a good time but then the more I was doing it, the more I think, is it a good time? Because I have a few drinks, then I probably say something that I upset someone. And then it, and then when I've had some drinks, I start smoking. And it, and it's just a, and then you eat worse foods. And it's just a, like not drinking. Oh my God, I'm stuttering. It's because my brain's working faster than my mouth. And not drinking has been the best thing that I've ever done. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really glad because at first it's like you say, look, why should I have to do it? Why, why should I have to give it up? And everyone else seems to be fine, on, and they can have the best time ever on it. But you, that's the best decision for you, isn't it? And that's what that's what's making you happy. Yeah. And the final yeah, question yeah, definitely. is: Would you recommend going private for an ADHD diagnosis? I've been waiting for nearly six years now for a diagnosis. Oh, it's so awful! It really, really upsets me when I hear that. I mean, I would. It's a lot of money. Uh, I went private. It just depends how, how bad they're struggling because if you've been waiting six years, I'd just hang on and wait a little bit longer. It depends. If you have the funds, then do it. Um, but I'd, I'd probably try and wait. There is a thing called right to choose. So you go into your doctors and you say, um, if, if, it's, if the waiting list is too long in that area, um, you have a right to choose. You can go somewhere else. Right, say if you're waiting in Manchester, you have a right to choose. You can get the train to Birmingham if their waiting list is lower. Right. So, um, yeah, I would just get, if you're waiting six years on the NHS, you can get you can go and get seen. So go in there and say, I want the right to choose option, um, and they can they'll get you it because six years are, it's a joke. That, that's fantastic. I, I didn't I didn't even know that. that that's amazing. The fact that you, but again yeah. by not having these con by having these conversations, people are made aware of that and they can go go down that avenue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing speaking to you. And please continue all the work that you do and all the campaigns and the work you document. You've helped so many people. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Thank you.
Oh, that was brilliant. What a great conversation that was. I know Tanya was kind of saying that it's her ADHD that makes her comfortable in sharing such personal experiences. But I've got to say, it takes some real courage, that, doesn't it? It, it does. And she's she was almost hiding behind it. So, no, I'm not being courageous. But she really is having that ability to talk to anyone about what you've been through. But the fact to talk to me in an interview setting and it's going to go out in a podcast, it takes tremendous courage. And she's just got an absolute heart go because she really, she's so passionate about talking about ADHD and helping people. She really wants to stop the long wait as a diagnosis. She's just going to Parliament. She's doing such an amazing job and she's just a beautiful person inside and out. Yeah, it's amazing. I think she's a great advocate. Obviously, being able to reflect on those difficult life experiences that she's had can prove quite difficult, but but actually lived experience is power. And, and I really like how Tanya described um ADHD for her in particular is is a superpower so I think embracing it and empowering other girls and young women to to embrace it is, is something really really special it is and that's that's the beauty of it saying it's a superpower not like it's a hindrance or absolutely you'll have challenges and struggles but look at the the pros that come with it look at the the amazing things you can achieve with ADHD and neurodiversity and seeing someone like Tanya with Tanya's profile because if you look at Tanya you think she's gorgeous she's got a beautiful family she's got an amazing lifestyle she's done such wonderful things with her life and her showing her lived experience shows she's human and shows that you know I've been through a lot of stuff in my life but look what I've overcome and look what where I am now and I think that's that's amazing and you know I really do take my hat off for, for doing that. Yeah completely agree you know even the honesty in terms of how those particular life experiences those kinds of phases have impacted on her ADHD symptoms a little bit more the hormones and you know drinking and things like that and just being brave enough to make those life changes you know it it takes a huge amount of strength for anybody to first of all acknowledge that they're feeling a bit vulnerable or are struggling but secondly to make the, the changes in life that are needed to to have those positive outcomes it's not easy. She she was talking about why me, you know, why why do I have these changes? And it, it's a hard thing to get your head around. So yeah, fair play to her. She's doing grand. It does. And when she was saying, oh, why me? Why do I have to stop drinking? Why do I have to stop partying? Why do I have to do all that stuff? Like, why, why is it me? But long term, it's massively benefited her overall well-being. And it just it breaks those social taboo, doesn't it? Thinking actually, do you know what? I don't need to have a drink or breaking the taboo about talking about hormones and mental health. That impact of it, it's tremendous. And, you know, that's the important of ha- importance of having these conversations. Yeah, I agree. And it's, like I said, it's times where, um, p- particularly for women, um, they can spend a huge amount of their time masking those symptoms of ADHD, those internal emotional symptoms. And I think at times where, um, you know, alcohol's involved or hormones are involved, that mask easily slips and yeah. you're more likely to, um, Tanya said it yourself, you know, obsess other people in terms of what you're saying or your behaviour. And I think just knowing that that kind of, those experiences in life need to change allows has allowed Tanya to be more her more naturally her embracing her ADHD actually it does and it's it's beautiful to see you can really see she's really 
come into her own and she's becoming the pair like almost Tanya in HD like she's become like the pair like yeah like the best version of herself and it's just it's just lovely to unfold and follow and yeah we're very very grateful for Tanya to coming on and talking about it yeah absolutely totally here her frustrations with those waiting lists and um it's important that children young people know that there is support out there in the meantime as well that they're not on their own with this you know um really like Tanya saying you know have have a look for your community have a look for your people those TikTok videos that will really help you to understand oh I do that that sounds like me and and I'm not on my own that's so powerful isn't it it is and it goes back to that peer-to-peer -peer support and hearing like you know like-minded stories and almost having a bit of humor to it as well like it, it makes you it makes you smile and think oh do you know what I do that and that it, it does it does cheer you up and it makes you feel oh do you know what I'm not the only one and it's again she is doing so much going to parliament and sorting these trying to make an effort to reduce the waiting time because how long it takes to get that diagnosis but I like the fact that she talks about what to do in the meantime because even unfortunately if you go private there can be that waiting time as well and it's managing those symptoms and that anxiety beforehand to talk about what helps her in the meantime until you get that diagnosis because for some people that diagnosis is everything and it's it's seeing oh actually do you know what that makes sense it's like that I, I get myself now once having that I've had that diagnosis yeah I agree and I think sometimes we put our, a lot of pressure on ourselves to get a diagnosis to get that label to get that understanding mm -hmm. and I think maybe there's there's an element of me that thinks we we maybe need to shift away from that in society it's like if, if that sounds like you and that resonates with you then then go with it you know and and seek that help find those people and make those changes in your life whilst you are on that really difficult um journey to getting that diagnosis as well I think and it, and again that's easier said than done um it, it's hard to find the right kinds of support but there are a lot of charitable organizations out there that are providing some great support for people with ADHD and, and other neurodiversities and, and for those who are feeling suicidal as well. Lovely to see. I mean, that's the beauty of social media, the fact that you can connect with people. You could be anywhere in the country, but join these groups and you can be talking online and you can have that conversation in video call and finding organizations that resonate with you. And it's going to give you that support that you need. And I think that's that's the beauty of social media in that sense. Absolutely. It, it it can be both the angel and the devil, can't it, yeah. social media, but there is some gorgeous uses of social media in terms of bringing people together in a, and sharing those experiences to make a difference in, some, difference in, in someone's life. So, yeah, I'm all down for that 100%. Yeah, especially on TikTok, I love, I love it. You just go in like a, a rabbit hole of seeing it all, especially surrounding neurodiverse. Great to see, really, really happy. But thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us on Hopecast. You've been absolutely amazing. Could have found a better co-host for this episode. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much. Hopeline UK is a telephone, text, email and web chat service. So already young people can see that there's a, a loads of different ways that you'll be able to get into contact with us and each of those channels is manned by a suicide prevention advisor 
that are all trained to have those safe, empathic, collaborative conversations about suicide. So we're there at the moment from, from nine in the morning right through until midnight and you can reach out at any time. Our advisors will work with you to, first of all, help you understand why those thoughts of suicide might be around. You know, why is suicide become an option for you? What are those difficulties in life? And help you kind of un unpick those thoughts and feelings to a place where you feel more confident and able to um, focus on suicide safety. So working through things like, um, you know, what what are your life connections? What distractions, coping mechanisms work for you? Because everybody's so different. And, you know, if we're talking about neurodiversity as well, it's a very unique conversation that our young people would would have on on hopeline uk absolutely um, and there's no there's no one one fixes all is that there's everyone is especially when it comes to neurodiversity everyone is completely unique and completely different they might have completely different signs they might have completely different that you wouldn't associate with a particular neurodiverse condition and especially when it comes to suicide that's why it's so important to be treated like a case-by-case -case basis Absolutely. Th those unique conversations are, are life-saving. We know that. We completely understand as well how much strength and courage it takes for a young person to reach out to us in the first instance. That's massive, Lauren. And that's why, you know, when, when you do connect with an advisor, you'll get as little or as much time as you need. And, and young people drive that conversation with an advisor putting that little bit of balance in there in terms of you know how you might keep yourself safe from suicide who might be the right people to speak to whether it's your family or a professional so yeah please you know if 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 anyone is listening that is struggling with thoughts of suicide or you're concerned that somebody in your life might be feeling suicidal, um, the best way to, to contact us would be via telephone on 0800 068 4141.